It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, welcome in, everybody. Nice to have you with us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Wednesday edition, you made it this far in the week. It's all downhill from here. We can see the weekend in sight. Ah, It's uh, inching closer and closer with gorgeous weather, fall-like weather, in fact. Uh, Philip Loret Pilkey to producing uh, today's show. We're going to have Doug Martin on in just a little bit, uh, former uh, ECU offensive coordinator, uh, one-time college uh, head coach at Kent State, New Mexico State. Doug now down in Emerald Isle where he uh, resides in semi-retirement. I say that because uh, he is uh, now uh, an offensive coordinator in the uh, ex- in the uh, USFL and loves it. So uh, we're going to talk about the Pirates. We're going to talk about uh, college football. And just for you today, Pilkington, just for you, I'm going to have Coach Martin provide you some hope. Where, you may ask. Where will he provide me hope? I'm guessing if you're talking about me, I'm guessing we're going Panthers. I'm going to have him talk about your guy, Bryce Young, today. There you go. And uh, give you a little bit of hope, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. be interesting to see what Coach's take is on uh, Bryce Young so far in Carolina. So that is coming up. Uh, we'll try to get to a uh, Houston uh Huddle Pirate Report edition here with some comments from the uh, other day. And um, let's go with uh, some stuff from yesterday, Q Tucker. By the way, uh, big response to yesterday's show. You could always get it. Pilk, are we putting that on uh, all the podcast pages too? Yeah, Is that going are. to like Apple? and Okay. Yep. So wherever you download your podcast, but the easiest place to go is to the uh, IBX Media app on Google Play or the App Store. And you can uh, download all of our podcasts for every show on every all of our stations under the IBX Media banner. I mean, this thing has uh, been downloaded like hotcakes here in the uh, in the fall. And uh, if you go to the IBX Media app, it's a couple of uh, quick clicks, and you can stream our stuff live. You can stream the video live. Uh, we've got all the shows archived, so you can listen to past Logan Zone episodes. You can listen to uh, Hoist the Colors Radio with Steve and I go. You can listen to this show, Talk of the Town, Mark and Laura, who just won their fourth uh, award uh, for uh, show of the year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do there. Uh, but big response yesterday to Brian North's appearance on here. I thought he broke down the Newburn uh, stuff really, really well. And a lot of people enjoyed uh, having uh, us having Marty Smith on. So, uh, we're obviously going to try and do try to get more guests that are sort of national in scope. We've been lucky to get the ones we've gotten, and uh, we always get a good reaction when we do that. So uh, we'll continue to uh, pursue those type of guests, uh, but uh, sometimes uh, it can prove to be a little challenging. Depends on if they're ha- if they're hawking something. If they're hawking something, they'll come on no matter. We could do the show at midnight and they'd come on. All right, uh, here is... Uh, a couple of things from yesterday with Q Tucker, and I thought, you know, it's interesting. We uh, 
this morning on Talk of the Town for the uh, upcoming uh, Rose Booster Club Golf Tournament, we had uh, Clay Medlin on, and Clay talked about all these different, um, you know, things with the NCHSAA and lawmakers taking over, and uh, Clay's perspective was good on that. Friday, we're going to have uh, Nate Connor from Conley on, and we're going to have uh, Aiden Grifton's Paul Cornwell uh, on, and we're going to talk to both those guys in separate interviews about kind of their thoughts on this. And then, you know, we got uh, some other guests we're going to have in time. We'll get their thoughts on everything because it's a it's an ongoing story, kind of like this Newburn thing. But I, I wanted to seize on a couple of things that Q Tucker said yesterday since we really didn't get into that. Uh, the commissioner of the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, and of course that group has now uh, been taken over by the uh, State Board of Education, and uh, they will make the decisions uh, that will be sort of uh, funneled down, I guess, through the NCHSAA. But uh, Q Tucker defined as you imagined she would be yesterday, and uh, she says that this move handcuffs the NCHSAA. Hit it. This legislation handcuffs the NCHSAA. It handcuffs the means through which the association can raise funds. It prevents the NCHSAA from giving grants and scholarships back to students in schools unless they are donor directed. It renders the current memorandum of understanding that is with the State Board of Education non-existent. Rather, the current memorandum of understanding is now under the purview of the state superintendent of public instruction. And uh, when asked why abolish the NCHSAA, this is what Tucker's response was. Several senators said they didn't feel that the State Board of Education had done what they should have done and that they did not carry out their wishes through uh, when House Bill 91 was passed and that essentially the memorandum of understanding did not do what it needed to, to do. So Laura, they were trying to, I, I believe I heard one of them say, close those loopholes. And uh, this is uh, Q Tucker when asked about some of the problems and there are problems with the High School Athletic Association. This is what Q had to say. Well, uh, I'll give you an example. One of the things that was said is that the appeal process I think somebody said it was really a farce and they really tried to insinuate that the State Board of Education really wasn't controlling the appeal process. And actually, as it was being shared, it said that it would go to this independent panel, but then it would come back to us, which is not the truth at all. More from uh, Q Tucker here, and this is... Um, I don't care how it's going to affect NIL for high school kids. I think that's ridiculous. Um, well, this is interesting. Is this Pilk where she talks about the, um, or did we play this yesterday? 15. No, I don't. Did we get to 15 yesterday? I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. Cause North. So this new bill could have, uh, impacts on associations affiliated with the NCHSA, is this where she talks about uh, the state championship stuff? Do you remember? 
No, I think she's talking about other affiliations such as uh, like officials' affiliations and a few other things. She okay, may that's mention the state so champion in that, but I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, let's go to that. That's interesting then. Let's let's see what uh, she has to, or what uh, Tucker has to say about that. Uh, so we have a General Assembly now that essentially has said, if you are a private entity and you want to govern high school athletics in this state, then you must follow these orders. And so that as an organization, that's one of the things when I said that there are hard times ahead for the association, that's part of it. We are a legitimate 501c3 organization. We have articles of incorporation and we have bylaws. Okay. Uh, last thing here from Q Tucker uh, on being allowed to have third party sponsorships. And I think this is maybe where she mentions the state championships. Hit it. If you take away the ability of us to have those type relationships, then financially, I think the association will struggle. The NCHSA will struggle to try to figure out how we make ends meet financially. See, that is a ridiculous statement because they have an endowment of $40 million. So how how do you not have... How can you not make it financially if you have that kind of endowment? I mean, just off the interest of that, you ought to be able to pay stuff. And, you know, the, the deal was for years in Greenville, the Eastern, Eastern Regional Basketball Tournament was played, which I thought was a great idea. It was a week of basketball. And they kept coming back year after year and wanting more money from the local community to put it on. And see, she, she this may have been born from the appeals process with some upset people about a, a player who was ejected or something like that. Perhaps it was. It could have very well been. But I can assure you that this... For a lot of the lawmakers, Jim Perry, who we've had on, who uh, is from the Kinston area and was behind this in the state Senate, Senator Perry said, they have a $40 million endowment and no plan on how to utilize it. It's just money sitting there. And now you have regional basketball games that draw thousands of people. Instead of playing it in a small arena, they're holding it at high schools, turning people away, and making the high schools foot the bill for the security and the operations and all that so they don't have to, so they could take their portion of the money and not have any expense out of it. It's absurd. So when she says that to me, that's where that's the biggest thing there where she loses any credibility in my mind. And I understand you want to go get sponsors to help put on these events. That's fine. But to say we can't operate without the sponsorship dollars when you have a $40 million endowment is a non-starter for me, and I think it is for a lot of people. All right, uh, Pirate Report, if we have time still to come, a break when we return. Uh, we'll talk some Pirate football and some college football and a little bit about Bryce Young. Uh, we'll get with uh, Doug Martin coming up next. Coach Martin from the coast on the Patrick Johnson Show. So stay with us here on 94.3 The Game. Mm. 
Hey, I'm Gray Fussell, fourth generation winemaker at Duple Winery in ECU Columbus. We've recently added two new fantastic blends to our wine list and you've got to try them. Orange Blossom, which is made with our sweet muscadines and a splash of citrus fruits and muscadine Moscato. The only wine on the market blending the two best sweet grapes in the world. I hope you'll look for these and our other delicious wines at your favorite grocery store or online at duplinewinery.com. And as always, thanks for your support and go Pirates. Taking the rage out of your drive home. You just cut me off, but it's no big deal. Patrick Johnson on 94.3 The Game and the new IBX Media app. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Doug Martin, uh, coach in uh, college football, head coach for a couple stops, longtime ECU offensive coordinator and the uh, offensive coordinator in USFL for Nolans joins us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show as he does every Wednesday. Coach is a very happy man. He may or may not have been looking for uh, a nautical vessel today, up close and per- may or may not. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> The, the deposit is going down, man. The deposit's down. <laughs> so, coach, think of some of those. Think of some of those games where you were just not just your jaw was clenched and you were so frustrated with how your team played, and it was forty degrees, and you were standing there freezing. I want you to think about that when you're out on the water here in a in a few weeks. Oh, Patrick, I say it all the time. It was all worth. It was all worth it. Now, now it's all worth it. No doubt. <laughs> Um, so you went back, uh, not only did you watch some of the game the other night, but you went back and kind of reviewed the Pirates game at Rice, you you were telling me. Uh, what did you, uh, well, let's just start what you made of the overall performance, uh, and, uh, we'll start there before we get into some of the more, you know, detailed and then bigger issues. So, uh, game at Rice, I thought it was just frustrating to watch the offense at times because, uh, some plays are there, it's just, you know, you haven't hit on any of them yet. Yeah, I think, you know, in college football today, I mean, you have to score points to win. I, I think East Carolina's playing really good defense. Uh, last year they played great defense. It's spilled over to this year. I think they're still doing the same things. But you're going to have to score points to win football uh, games in college football today. The rules are made for offenses right now. I mean, the defenses are at such a disadvantage uh, the way linemen can be down the field when you throw now with the RPO game. There's all sorts of rules. They're helping the receivers. And right now they're just not scoring enough to win games. And it really, when you really start to look at it, it's really their passing game that's really holding everything up, uh, Patrick. You know, they're not going to be able to run the ball until they can throw the ball effectively. And there's been two games, Marshall and Rice, where the defenses took the same approach. They said, we're going to play man coverage and we're going to pressure your quarterback. And there's seven, eight people at the line of scrimmage. And until you prove you can throw the football well enough to get us out of here, this is where we're going to stay. And so far, they haven't been able to to get the defenses off of them. You know, they're only completing, I think Flynn's completing 49% of his passes right now. Right. Uh, and not that that's all in the quarterback, okay? There's a lot of things that go into that. But that's not even close to being good enough to score points and win football games in, in college football today. Um, I think five interceptions and one touchdown, and they're, they're – really glary thing is it's 4.9 yards per attempt now that right. should be you know nine plus right there so that tells you that they're not making plays so 
Um, you know, when you get people playing you man-to-man like this, it's one of two things. You've got to have receivers that can get open one-on-one and can win a 50-50 ball, or you have to have a quarterback that's mobile enough to hurt people running against that man coverage when nobody's there to, to play the quarterback. Um, and if your receivers can't get open, then you got to provide some things as a coach for them to get open. You know, motion those guys to help them get off the line. Use some stack formations, empty sets, things like this to – to help them get open because right now I don't really see a dynamic receiver out there like they had last year. Same thing kind of at the running back position. It's just not enough for the guys making plays. Uh, Doug Martin joining us here on the Patrick Johnson show. Do you think um, the bye week has come at, at maybe a good time for the pirates? Could not be better. You know, especially where they are right now, Patrick, because you know, when you've played three or four games, then you have a and you have an open date, which is where they are right now. You've really got a good sample of what you are, where you're struggling, uh, what you've got to improve. So, I mean, they, not that they're going to come out and be a dynamic offense, score 40 points a game after this week off, but they should be a much improved offense because their coaches are going to have time to really evaluate things and say, okay, you know, here's how we have to help these receivers get open. You know, here's how we have to help the offensive line and pass protection you know, get the ball out quicker. You know, here's how we're going to help the quarterback, you know, move the launch point, whatever it is. They've got time this week, and that's solely what I would be working on if I was them this week is, you know, how are we going to beat man coverage and pressure? Because that's what's coming now. The blueprint's out there for Marshall's Mm -hmm. life. So everybody they play from here on out, that's what's coming. There's no secret about it. Until they prove they can handle it, that's what's coming. So, you know, again, this week, that's really all they should be focused on and see if they can find some ways to – get the passing game going because once you're able to throw the football and prove to people you can, then you're going to, be able to run the ball and and then they'll be a lot more effective. Coach Doug Martin is with us. They are uh, saying consistently are the pirates that they're a two quarterback team and they're, and they seem steadfast on remaining a two quarterback team. They do want to get Mason Garcia, according to coach Houston, what he told us the other night on the radio show, more opportunities. So, uh, is there any chance for either of those guys in the next few days with the, the open week and then the lead up to, to SMU to maybe differentiate themselves? Or, or do you think that we're pretty, we're pretty um, set. This is a two quarterback system from here on out. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I'm not in their meetings and I'm not in their practices and I don't, so I don't know all the things that their coaches know. I can just tell you my opinions and what I see. And both those guys have some talent. I think both those guys could win games but they're different quarterbacks. You know, Flynn is a drop back passing quarterback, um, not as mobile as Garcia. Garcia does give you a lot in the running game, but to me, those are two different offenses for those two guys. If you're trying to run the same offense for both those guys, I think you're really going to struggle. And that's why I've never been a fan of the two quarterback thing. I know, you know, and you know, I've said forever, if you, and, and I know coaches do it all the time, but you know, if you're saying you have two quarterbacks, then you don't have one because one's not that much better than the other one. Nobody's really taking control of it. And uh, the real problem, again, for them is, and for the play caller and offense coordinator for them, is those are two different skill sets. Those are two different offenses you got to run for those two guys, in my opinion, if you're going to be effective. If Garcia is going to be effective, it's got to be a different uh, offense than, than what they showed at Rice. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with uh, Doug Martin, uh, offensive coordinator, New Orleans Breakers with the USFL now, and uh, was the Pirate OC for many years under Steve Logan and uh, coached 
at uh, the uh, powerhouse programs of Kent State and New Mexico State as a head coach. That's why he can enjoy the uh, the good life at the beach now because of his uh, yeah. just just how dynamic they were. You talk about trying to help receivers get open. Go coach at those two places with some receivers. <laughs> in 2017, this is this is no kidding, too. In 2017, we won a bowl game, and we literally did not have a receiver that was faster than 4-7. And we were third in the nation in passing offense. But it was wow. a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to help those guys. We had a really good quarterback, but it was a lot of stuff to help those guys get open, mesh routes, and pick routes and all sorts of things to, to make things happen. But, you know, so it can be done, but, but i tell you what, it takes a lot of work. Was that your best coaching job? The 2017 year as a head coach and, and Courtney, yeah, probably, you know, cause we, I mean, we did not go into any game, Patrick, where we had better talent than anybody we played at best. Maybe four of the games we had equal talent and, uh, you know, to win seven and win a bowl game at that place is, that was a pretty good coach. I had a really good staff. I had a really good group of guys. Frank Spaziani was my defense coordinator. He was a longtime Boston College defense coordinator and head yeah. coach and just a great guy. And he, he really made a huge difference for us uh, there. But, uh, you know, there, there and we had some great years at East Carolina and had a couple of great years at Kent State with Josh Cribbs and Edelman that, uh, that were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Edelman, uh, he could get open. <laughs> just, give, just give him the ball and get out of the way is what you do for him. so uh obviously and mike houston acknowledged this monday i mean and one of the things he talked about that they were going to concentrate on in this in this week is you know finishing drives with a with, with points but also with a, a touchdowns you, you have to do that um the goal to go situations pirates moved the ball really well against rice between the 20s but when they got in the red zone in the goal to go situations, it became problematic. What were you picking up on that maybe uh, could be improved upon there? Yeah, well, again, that's where somebody's got to make a play. You know, a wide receiver has to be a threat down there on a one-on-one fade route or a corner route where it's man coverage, which is all they're seeing down there right now. Uh, you got to be able to throw the ball up to that guy and, and him, him make a play. And you got to understand when it's man coverage, nobody's going to be wide open. I mean, you have to redefine what open is, you know, for your quarterback and your receivers. They both need to understand that when it's man coverage, they're going to be tight windows. You're going to have to make a catch with contact. You know, the DB is going to have contact on you, but you've got to high point the ball. You got to take the ball away. The quarterback's got to put the ball in the right place to give him a chance. And those are the plays you got to make. If you're going to score down there and come away with touchdowns, then, you know, people got to start making those type of plays. Running the ball down there right now, you know, obviously, you know, it can be done. But with seven, eight people in the box, it's a lot harder unless you're going to be running yeah. some type of option schemes, option schemes where you gain a man because you're pitching off somebody or those type of things, uh, which, you know, we did those things too. When David Gerard was great at running speed option, we had that in our package for a long time. So you can do those type of things. But, uh, again, until they're able to throw the football effectively, it's going to be a struggle. Offensive line uh, right now, just you know, it, it's struggling as well, and I, and I think that's at the root of all this potentially is that the offensive line under a new coach, new terminology, new uh, philosophy in, in in some respects. I know Coach Houston likes the philosophy uh, that that has been brought to the table, but it just seems like that that is it just hasn't clicked yet. 
Is there anything in this open week, generally speaking, that you can do to to get the offensive line as a little more cohesive of a unit? Yeah, that area is, is it's all about experience and playing together. I mean, Patrick, you just can't, you know, an average fan just can't imagine the communication that has to go on amongst those five guys up front. There's more communication and more uh, sudden changes up there than really anybody other than the quarterback is going to have to deal with. I mean, if the front shifts right before the snap, those guys have all got to be on the same page of, you know, who has who in pass protection, how we're blocking this run scheme, et cetera. Uh, You know, it starts with your center. You know, that guy's got to be the guy that starts the focal point of the communications and then it moves out from there. But, you know, in no other area, you know, like wide receivers, that's really an individual position. Those guys, they don't have to rely on each other too much. Uh, Same thing with running backs, tight ends. But that offensive line, that is – five guys that have to play as one. And that's yeah. why it takes long to get them to gel, and especially when they haven't played together or if you have a new coach and those type of things, that sometimes it can take some time to get them on the same page. Uh, coach, could you hang through a, a Philip Pilkington update and a break so we can talk uh, some more? Because Pilkington wants you to give him some hope with Bryce Young and the Panthers, and I <laughs> promised him we'd do that today. So could you, could you hang through the break? All right, sure. the great Doug Martin with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Let's uh, hear from Philip the Ref Pilkington now. A timeout, and we'll come back and we'll talk some more college football with Doug Martin. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. The Pirates are on a bye week. Coach Houston said this is, this is a great opportunity to get some of the young guys more reps in practice. With the four-game redshirt rule, we have you know a good freshman class. I think some of those guys could help us later on in the year, uh, whether it be on special teams or you know wherever. Um, so we're going to you know spend some time with those guys, just a little bit extra of you know letting them you know get in, uh, you know just legitimate stuff, running our stuff kind of deal, working them some on special teams. The Ravens running back Keaton Mitchell returned to practice today after sh- suffering a shoulder injury in the preseason. He has 21 days to be activated off IR. He will be automatically put on season-ending IR. Panthers guard Austin Corbett also returned to practice today for the first time in nine months after tearing his ACL in the season finale last January. The NCAA has passed a new rule that's shrinking the amount of time in which players can enter the transfer portal to 45 days for all sports. Those 45 days will vary depending on which sport you play and when its season falls. Looking over at Major League Baseball right now, we are in the wild card round. Texas Rangers currently lead the Tampa Bay Rays 7-1 to after eight innings. This means the Rays have to at least score six to stay alive where their playoffs will come to an end. The Twins lead the Blue Jays one game to none. That game is still currently scoreless in the bottom of the third up in the Twin Cities. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. We will have more with Doug Martin and the P-Man. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's go time. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, Doug Martin with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show today. Thanks to uh, Coach for sticking through the break. Uh, Pilk says 45 days the NCAA has decided to shrink that window for the portal. Uh You've you've talked about how that has changed the life of your uh, colleagues in many many ways. Uh, what do you think of that, Coach? Sweet shrinking the uh, portal window to forty five days, or does it make any difference, really? Uh, I think they're putting lipstick on a pig, 
I mean, it's, it's not, <laughs> you, you can dress that up however you want. It's still going to look the same. I mean, they they put those rules in in a whim without understanding the repercussions that were going to come. And what it's done, it's 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 really been one of the things that's hurt college football the most. And you know, I, I would go back and remind people this all started when you know the ESPN heads and all those people were all complaining about coaches bouncing from school to school. And the argument was always, well, coaches can transfer all the time and go somewhere players should be able to. And that was such a false argument. There's not a coach anywhere in college football that can go to one team to another team without a penalty. They all have contracts. So if you leave Georgia to go coach at Auburn, you're going to have to buy out your contract. Right? So right. There, there was a penalty there, right? So it wasn't factual the way they were presenting that argument back in those days. So now you've got these kids that can transfer and there is no penalty. You know, used to, you had to sit out a year after you transferred and those type of things. So there had to be some thought go into it and it had to be a real deal. Now it's just free agent football. So you've got kids at East Carolina, the best player at East Carolina right now is being recruited by a power conference school. I'll promise you that in the background, they are being recruited by a power conference school to, to leave East Carolina. And that's going on all over the country. And that's not what college football was supposed to be, my opinion. Um, you know, and so what it's done is forced coaches now, you can't really build a program. The days of building a program are really over. Those were days where you recruit a kid, he's there for a couple of years, you develop them physically, emotionally, mentally, you get them ready to play. And then, man, you have a couple of good years and you keep developing those type of kids. Well, now every year is just roster management. Every year, you're going to lose kids to the transfer portal. You're going to have to go get kids in the transfer portal. And it's just managing your roster. How many wide receivers do we have to get out of the portal? How many offensive linemen? How many defensive linemen? And it's really hurting high school football, which is the real shame of all this. I talk to friends of mine that are high school coaches and have been successful high school coaches forever. And they tell me, you know, Doug, 10 years ago, this kid I have, he'd be recruited by everybody. Now, he, he can't get an offer. And he can't get an offer because everybody's going to the portal to recruit. So yeah. a lot of great players in high school are not getting opportunities that they used to get. And it's just a mess. It, it really is. It's a mess. But you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle now. I and mean, whatever they do and do, 45 days, whatever, to make themselves look good, the NCAA I'm talking about, that, you know, they're just covering their own tail on that one. So a friend of mine uh, earlier this afternoon, I'm looking at it now, sent me uh, – from Yahoo Sports, Utah NIL Group gifts Dodge Ram 1500 trucks to all 85 scholarship football players. Sure. Okay. <laughs> now, now, don't recruit against that. So, you right. know, and here's the other thing. You know, used to coaches, you, you would get hired by a lot of times because you could recruit a certain area. You know, like yeah. coaches that had a strong Texas background, they'd get recruited because a certain school would want to go recruit Texas and they would hire. That's a waste of time now. Because what coach from Texas can go down to Texas and beat a school that's given some kid a Dodge Ram? <laughs> so all, yeah. all the personal relationships that you used to build in recruiting and getting to know a family and them trusting you and giving them your son, all that's gone. It's it's just who, who's got the biggest bag of money? Who can give me the most? That That's what it is. And, and the shame of it is you don't even know if these guys can play. So Some of these yeah. freshmen – you know, that are coming out in, in high school and getting that much money and all that type of stuff, you, they may not even be able to play at the level you're at, you know, and then you've wasted all that money. So I, 
you know, again, I, I'm I'm glad I'm not dealing with that anymore. To be honest with you, I, I, I had opportunities to go back into college football last year, Patrick, and I didn't because of the recruiting part of things. And uh, I don't know if I'll stay that way or not, but uh, just I tell you, it's a different world. Yeah, you you, you got a boat coming your way. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you should, and I'll promise you, I'm be not on the boat. any football recruit. No football recruits <laughs> get in the boat. That's out. Uh, Doug Martin with us here. So uh, part of the other night, I, I flipped it over and watched uh, the end of the Duke-Notre Dame game. Duke was up by the time the Pirate game ended that, uh, that had, had transpired. And uh, the quarterback play in that game was gutsy on both sides and, and elite on both sides, in my opinion. So I'll, I'll let you talk about uh, Sam Hartman and Riley Leonard. Man, two two great players. What what uh, Coach Elko has done at Duke is amazing. I mean, they are physical. They play fast. What a great coaching job. And Riley Leonard is, is a tremendous talent quarterback. It's a shame he rolled his ankle in that game. So I think he's going to miss a couple of games here coming up, and they're gonna that's going to hurt them badly. Because uh, he he is their team, but he's a difference maker. So he he made plays all over the field. I love Sam Hartman. I've seen him play, you know, for years now. Because my son's at Wake Forest uh, on the coaching staff, so I'm up there quite a bit. I got to watch Sam in practice along with the uh, games, and he's a special talent. He really is. He's got great anticipation of throws. Um, the only thing I would say, and I, I think Notre Dame is a phenomenal football team right now. They have great defense. They got weapons on offense. I think they're just so conservative, though, in their play calling and the way they have their scheme set up that Sam Hartman can't really prosper. You know, he I mean, he won the game for him the other day with his legs. Yeah. Some great runs, yeah. some guts and deals. But when you have a quarterback like that, he hasn't thrown an interception this year yet. So and you have great defense. So if you have a quarterback that's not throwing, not turn the ball over and you have great defense to me, that's when you play even more aggressively on offense. You know I mean, go go after people. Turn Sam Hartman loose and let him go win games for you. Because even if he does make a mistake, you got the defense to bail him out. You know, where you have to be more careful to me, again, this is my opinion, is, you know, when you're not a good defensive football team, you know, then you've got to be really careful with how you're playing on offense because you got to help protect those guys a little bit. So that if I had one criticism of Notre Dame, that would be the only criticism I would have of them. I think they've got the talent, the players. I think they need to loosen up and let that offense go. MJ Morris, according to Dave Dorn, is going to be elevated to starter for NC State. Uh, and the Wolfpack have Marshall this Saturday. And and I think they, you know, Marshall's a pretty good football team. Um, I, I know a lot of our hired fans are bemoaning them a little bit. But, they, I mean, they have a quarterback. It's not great. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. They got a running game. They have a tough defense. Uh, so Marshall's a competitive football team and it wouldn't shock me if, if they went in there and beat the pack in Raleigh this weekend um but Brennan Armstrong the Virginia transfer hadn't worked out with him so they've made the change to sophomore uh what do you think of uh will, will that help the situation offensively at NC State any yeah you know I, I really cannot figure out what's going on there to be honest with you I mean they play great defense they're one of the best defenses in the country but offensively um Man, they are just struggling. And Armstrong had a great time at Virginia with the same offensive coordinator who's now come to NC State. So I, I don't understand what the breakdown has been there, but it just hasn't worked out. So um, if you are going to change quarterbacks, I just there has to be a good reason for it. And once you change, you got to stay with it. 
because yeah. you've lost once you do this now you've lost Brennan Armstrong you're you're not getting his confidence back you're not he's not going to come back and be the answer after this now so once you put your chips on that table you got to make it work so hopefully they will um, I don't know uh, this quarterback very well. I hadn't seen him, uh, Morris, but you know maybe he's more athletic, can make some things happen with his legs and those type of things. But you know, kind of just like East Carolina, they're just not making enough plays right now uh, to win offensively. Uh, Doug Martin's with us here. I wanted to ask you about Bryce Young, so you could give Philip uh, a little bit uh, less heartburn. Uh, <laughs> Pilk went to the game, and you know they lost to the Vikings, but. You have a real interesting uh, assessment of Bryce Young, so I'll, I'll let you uh, roll with that because he's not looked good, and he doesn't have a whole lot around him. But what what are you seeing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm a Bryce Young fan. I, I love the way he played at Alabama. The only concern I had for him coming out to the NFL was his size and can he stay healthy. If he can stay healthy he is going to be a dynamic quarterback because I'm just telling you, he can fit balls into small, tight places. He has great anticipation of throws. When you watch him, even now with Carolina Panthers, you know, he's letting the ball go before receivers have turned around or out of their break. And that's a sign of a really confident, really good quarterback. You know, you can't teach that. I don't care how good of a quarterback coach you are. A young man either possesses that ability or he doesn't. It is really hard to ever teach that. You can improve and those type of things, but that's a gift. He has great vision of the field. He can extend plays uh, because he's athletic. So as long as they can keep him healthy, I think he's ultimately going to be a great quarterback. Now, he doesn't have the people around him right now to take enough pressure off of him to be good this year. But as they get more weapons out there, you know, wide receivers and running backs and people that can do some things with the ball, uh, man, he'll he'll be he'll be dynamic one day. Phil, how do you feel about that? I feel good about it. I mean, the only thing I've kind of noticed that I haven't liked about him is he is struggling with the odd numbers on the route tree, anything that breaks away from the middle of the field. But do you think that has a little bit, Coach, to do with his just lack of size, or is that something you see common in rookie quarterbacks where they're better over the middle than they are outside? Because Patrick and I are kind of in different boats here. I was not really singing his praises Monday, but I wasn't ready to give up on him. Patrick was a little more uh, on the negative side, I would say. Well, the thing I would say is, you know, once you get to the, the NFL, the professional level, and I experienced this with the USFL, I can tell you those windows get tighter and tighter now. I mean, those DBs are faster. They can break on balls quicker. The ball's got to be more accurate and even more on time. So you're still talking about a guy that hasn't played a lot of NFL football games yet, hasn't really gotten comfortable. And even the field is different. You know, the hash marks are different in college football. So when you're throwing to the wide field in college, it's totally different than throwing to the wide field on an outbreaking route in, in the NFL. You know, the, the, the geometry of the football field is different too. So there's a lot of things to adjust there. I, I, I just – I believe in him as a, as a quarterback – mainly because he does things that you can't coach. He's got great vision of the field. He anticipates throws. So I think eventually and, – and I think he has a great work ethic. The guys that I knew in Alabama loved him because he was always in the office. He's always working. He's always working to get better. So what you're seeing from him now is, my opinion, is the worst he's ever going to be. He's only going to get better. All right, Coach, college football this week uh, starts tonight. Your – New Mexico State fighting Doug Martins, taking on Florida International tonight. 
Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm out of that one. I'm, don't put my name on that one anymore. I, I will say Florida, Florida International uh, has done a great job. Coach McIntyre, uh, you know, has rebuilt a lot of programs. His dad was actually a head coach, was head coach at Vanderbilt when I was playing at Kentucky and, and did a great job rebuilding the Vanderbilt program. So I've I really been impressed with what he's done at FIU. I think they would probably win this, win that game, but uh, – be honest, I hadn't seen enough of either one of those teams to know. Yeah. Uh, we got the Red River Shootout, Oklahoma, Texas, ABC noon Saturday. Uh, how do you see that one going? Yeah, going to be a great football game. I, I really, uh, Texas has been very impressive. Um, I think this is another test for them, but they are playing more physical. My knock on them was always that they, when it got to playing big time teams like Oklahoma, they didn't play physical. They didn't play fast and got pushed around. I hadn't seen that this year. That That's not happened. So right. I kind of like Texas, and uh, I think they've got a great offense. Coach Sarkeesian is a great offensive football coach, great developer of quarterbacks. Uh, so I, I'd like Texas in that one. Uh, the moniker of the best two-loss football team in the country goes to LSU right now, and uh, they'll be at Missouri. Is Missouri for real? You know, I, I don't know that they've played enough teams, uh, good teams, to really know yet. I mean, they're, anybody in the SEC has got talent, I can tell you that. Uh, right. And Missouri's got a good coaching staff. They do a nice job. It's going to be a good game. I, I think LSU probably rebound in that one. LSU just had a couple of tough, tough losses where, you know, could have easily been wins for them. Um, and then it's a whole new ball game. So, be interesting to see how much they uh, can still take. Marshall at State, uh, what do you think happens in Raleigh Saturday at 2? Well, I, I think NC State is phenomenal on defense. I mean, they really, they've really they shut everybody down that they've played this year, and uh, I think that'll be enough to carry them. I don't think Marshall has the weapons on offense to, to beat NC State on defense. They'll do just enough to win. Uh, I'll be at Wake Forest Clemson uh, for radio on uh, Saturday, 3.30, uh, kick. Uh, I know you've got the uh, – allegiances to wake but uh clemson defensively despite some of the offensive issues clemson's still clemson defensively they are they got tremendous defense you know the front seven's really good put a lot of pressure on people uh, wake has had some trouble in the offensive line uh, you know protecting at times uh, they're really kind of missing their playmakers that they had last year too they had a couple of receivers that were really good that graduated and moved on and replacing those guys hasn't been easy for them the amazing thing is they thought Sam Hartman would be the guy they missed. The, uh, Griffiths, the quarterback, has really played well. And uh, that really hadn't been the problem. It's kind of been the other things around him. So I think Wake will play a good game, but uh, too much Clemson in that one. A uh, couple more I wanted to ask you about, uh, Coach, and that is uh, Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia struggled last week with Auburn. They're at home, uh, and Kentucky's coming off a big win against Florida. Can the Wildcats – present any kind of challenge to the Bulldogs? Well, my alma mater, man, I'm really proud of them. I, you know, Coach Stoops has done a great <laughs> job at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky's not an easy job in football. I mean, it's tough. It traditionally has been tough. And he is really, I mean, for 10 years, he's been over 10 years now. And, I mean, he has done, you know, some really amazing things there, uh, really impressive. I, I think the game will come down to, you know, can Kentucky run the ball as effectively as they have been? They've been running the ball really well because they've been hurting people on some deep balls and things like that. So if they can keep running the football to where it doesn't become a passing game for them, then they're going to have a chance. 
Um, but Georgia in Athens, that, that's always a tough day. Last one for you. You've talked about Notre Dame. They're at Louisville, who all of a sudden finds themselves in the top 25. Uh, is this another tough roadie for the Irish? It is, and I tell you what, if they if they play aggressively on offense, they win this football game because they're, they're just that good. If they don't, Louisville will have a great chance to beat them because, uh, you know, again, Louisville's done a great job. Coach Brahms come in there, and he's a Louisville native, uh, grew up there. His dad was a famous high school football coach there in that town, and they got things rolling. Uh, but Notre Dame has all the weapons. They just need to use them. Hey, Coach, great to talk to you. It's uh, We get a lot of response when you're on. People love hearing you talk uh, football, and uh, it's great. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon at a Pirate game in Greenville. we got to get you I, in I your get, place I, back. I need that. I need a tailgate for sure. I haven't had a tailgate this year. So <laughs> get East Carolina's got the best tailgates in the world. I learned that from my experiences last year. That opened your eyes, didn't it, Coach? That was like a whole new world oh, for you, wasn't it? You know what? For 10 years, I sat up there in my office watching everybody tailgate at East Carolina games, and I always thought, man, that looks like a lot of fun as I was throwing up before the game because you're so nervous. You know? <laughs> and then to get to go do it, uh, man, it's a great experience. It's been a lot of fun. We'll see you soon, Coach. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, there he goes. The great Doug Martin with us here. Awesome stuff with uh, Doug Martin. Love talking uh, to him uh, and just his analysis of the games. Uh, so good. All right, uh, Texas has just uh, completed the uh, opening round wildcard sweep of uh, Tampa. Uh, Pilk will tell us about that and the score of the other game when we come back as we wrap up the show. And we'll tell you about our special edition tomorrow of the Patrick Johnson show featuring Holton Ehlers. So stand by for that. That's the Patrick Johnson show. We'll be right back right after this. And now the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P man here on 94, three, the game. All right, uh, Pilk, we got baseball, uh, and uh, one of the wild card series has gone final here. It has. Rangers moving on against the uh, Rays. I think the uh, banged-up Rays lineup may have kind of been the difference in that one. A lot of All right, how about pieces. the other game that's going on right now? Uh, Twins just took a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the fourth on Toronto. Twins snapped an 18-game and 19-year playoff losing streak yesterday to get that first win. Maybe they hold on today and win a series for the first time and what has even been longer than that because 19 years ago would have been 04, so they lost in the DS that year to the Yankees. So I don't even know the last time they won the uh, yeah. won a uh, series. It's been a while. Might have to go back uh, to their World Series years. I don't know. Um, hey, uh, tomorrow we're going to have a very uh, special edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. A very special edition because we're going to have uh, Holt Naylor's on the show. Joey Football is going to be along for the uh, ride on that one, Joe Sampson. Uh, but uh, we're going to be doing that for the video audience. So it'll be on Facebook, X, and YouTube at 10 a.m. tomorrow. So be ready for that 10 a.m. tomorrow uh, on our social media video platforms. Holt Nailers plus Jim Zoki will be with us as well. Uh, we'll have the show in its entirety for you, though, at 5 o'clock here on the radio side on 94.3 The Game. Big thanks today to Doug Martin for being on with us. Great stuff from him. Thank you to Philip the Ref Pilkington. 
And uh, we've got some great stuff lined up for next week as well. So uh, we'll tell you all about that as things get finalized and times and dates get sorted out. But uh, we're going to have some big guests and a big announcement for the show next week. Uh, probably tell you about that beginning of the week because we'll have everything sort of uh, taken care of at that point. All right. We're going to uh, take a 23-hour break on the uh, radio for sports. See you back here tomorrow at uh, 5 o'clock on Radio 10 tomorrow. Holt Nailers will be our special guest on the video platforms for the Patrick Johnson Show. Have a great night, everybody. Looking for outdoor storage? Maybe a she shed, man cave, tiny home, or greenhouse? If so, East Carolina Outdoor Products is your one-stop shop. They carry wood sheds, small to large, all customizable.